CJ Peterson, and welcome to The Journey is Real. We talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their hearts. Today, my guest is Elizabeth Power, and we're going to be talking turning your trauma into treasure. Thank you for coming on today, Elizabeth. Oh, you're so welcome, CJ. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's an honor. Oh, thank you. We had a really good short little chat there beginning, so I'm excited to dive into turning your trauma into treasure. Your passion in essence is working with people who've gone through traumatic situations. How did this become an actual passion for you? The same way it does for almost all of us. My, my own history, you couldn't hang my history out with dirty socks and have it look any better. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, I, I walk the talk. I have what they call lived experience, which is a very polite way of saying it. Um, I, I kept the more I kept working on moving beyond all of my own history and listen, y'all don't, don't get all hinky fight on me and do what we all do, which is go straight down the road to trauma and neglect and abuse and horrible things. There's so many more things that are ordinary. Mine was stuff like my dad moving a lot because of his work, him dying when I was really young, having some medical problems when I was a kid. These are the things we forget about. And people were so convinced that I had to somehow be sick not dealing with what happened to me, but it was all converted to mental illnesses and things that were wrong with me. And I'm like going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't have a chance to learn a lot of things. Mm -hmm. You know, what happens if I learn the things I might've missed because I was too busy, you know, just trying to survive as a very short person. Mm -hmm. And, and sure enough, once I began to learn the things that I had missed and practiced those, I looked at like being an athlete of the mind. Mm -hmm. It began to shift for me. So it comes out of my own hard won, um, hard won victories and hard won progress mm -hmm. and my eternal refusal to believe what people tell me about me. Right. Um, I came from an abusive past. And so I get it. To me, the verbal is worse than the physical because it's always going to be in the body and getting past what somebody has told you and somebody mm -hmm. who's supposed to have loved you has told you. Mm -hmm. is, is not an easy task. Mm -hmm. And so that's a pretty tall order. How do you help people through that? Because generally speaking, from my experience, people slingshot one way or the other. They either yeah. go hardcore, I'm not going to let anybody else touch me, talk to me, love me, any of that, or they're going to fall into the same pattern over and over again. How do you break either one of those cycles? Well, they're, they're both part of the same thing. I mean, if you think about it, 90% of the time and 90% of the people who are not hospitalized for mental illness would act either the same ways. I mean, that's a normal reaction to, to terrible things that happen to you. I want to broaden that a little bit. I promise you that the people who went through Katrina or mm -hmm. Sandy or any of the other major natural disasters have were traumatized by the experience by that experience oh definitely medical you know there's so many things in addition to abuse and neglect that we forget that a hangnail may be traumatic to somebody mm -hmm. um, this whole raft of things that we get overwhelmed by when we get overwhelmed by them it's it's broad I mean anybody could be anybody any, anybody can experience something in such a way that they feel like they're going to die or lose their mind or you know maybe be really hurt badly so it's a natural thing that the brain does to us to try to get us to slingshot in one direction or the other. We either go submissive and belly up and live into being a victim, or we go aggressive and we stand against the world like we're trying to keep our finger in the Hoover Dam when it's fixing to bust. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's, that's really normal. The first thing that, that, I, that I did for myself, and I will tell you all the things I did for me, 
One was I came up with a chart of emotions and days and colors. So the days and the colors and the emotions, there was a set of three for each. Mm-hmm. And I practiced the feelings that I put on that card. I literally practiced them because I knew that I had a big old 55 gallon barrel of ugly stuff that I was toting around and dragging behind me like a corpse of some sort. And I knew there was another 55 gallon bucket on the other side. It was empty. It felt empty. I didn't feel like I had any happiness or anything to contribute to it. I knew that couldn't be true. I knew that there had been times when I'd experienced happiness. Mm -hmm. And I began to fill the one on the light one. I began to do things like, well, today, let's see, what is the quality today? Oh, I've got to grab a book right quick. I've been doing this for so long. And that chart, which I call the victory cycle, um, it goes something like this. It goes to, so today is Monday. Mm-hmm. And the quality is victory, which is when everybody wins. Like when you're learning to ride your bicycle and you both, you both, the kid pushing you and you get it so you can both ride. It's not conquering or trampling. So let me think about a time when I felt that. And if you, you know, those of you who don't, who aren't watching, I'm probably busting a big grin all of a sudden because <laughs> I can remember a time when everybody came out smelling like a rose mm-hmm. and it was just the best ever. And I can look around my office and I can see there's a post-it note that's got some violet in it. And there's a picture with some violet and there's a book spine that's got that same color. And there's, and that's oh, there's a victory. Yeah. And that's, and you, you're anchoring that feeling. You're adding it to that really light bucket that you've got that needs to be filled up. Mm-hmm. So pretty soon, if you do that five or 10 times a day for five or 10 weeks or five or 10 months, you have a lot more flexibility with your feelings. Mm-hmm. Good. So I, I would say to folks, take some of the drama off of it mm-hmm. and begin to look at what skills might I have missed that I could learn now? Very good points. Um, on the journey is real. It's not just about the passion itself, but the journey itself as well. And so can you kind of take us back a little bit and take us on the journey with you? You've kind of touched certain parts here and there, but can you sure. go a little bit more in depth? Sure. Um, I, 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 I left when I was 14. Mm-hmm. And my mother, my mother and I talked and it just seemed to be like one of us was going to have to go. And I had, I had better opportunities than she did to, to make it and was emancipated the next year and put myself through two years of high school at a conservatory. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I, there was so much I didn't know. I mean, between all of the disruptions in early childhood from all the moves because of daddy's work in the military in the 50s and it was just the way it was back then it wasn't there was no perpetrator in fact there were there were a lot of things for which there are no perpetrators and that one's really tough um yeah, I, there, control over any of it is oh lord i no. grew up army brat so i get it yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah and my knees started dislocating so nobody knew when i was going to be tossed to the floor howling in pain uh, i must have been at some levels a very frightening child to be around because nobody knew when i was going to fall to the floor screaming in pain Mm -hmm. um so after I got through high school and got I I got a voc rehab scholarship because of my knees to college um the thing was how could I keep this really Swiss cheese self that I had developed together well enough to do school Mm -hmm. and I remember nobody could talk to me people were terrified of me in college I was smart I was weird I'm sure I was acting weird um Mm -hmm. I was having surgery every year and showing up on campus and on crutches or in a wheelchair with casts or a brace. I was speaking at a conference probably 20, 30 years ago. And this young woman tapped me on the shoulder and she said, excuse me, 
aren't you Henry Power, which is my middle name? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, oh, don't you remember? I said, no, ma'am. She said, I was your roommate. If I, and I'm like going roommate, I had a roommate, you know, and I'm, I had, had, had you know, <laughs> it's like, I have no idea who this woman is. <laughs> and she said, if it weren't for your voice, I wouldn't have recognized you because all I remember you as is as a nun on a motorcycle carrying crutches. Now, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> You can't be more the obvious than that is interesting. <laughs> and, and there were all these, all these extremely learned psychiatrists standing over me. And I'm like, going, oh, crap, I'm sunk now. <laughs> you know, so, You've done this at a different time. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but you just kind of have to roll with it. I mean, you might as well get proud and loud about who you are. You, I mean, you don't have to brag about it, but you might as well just own it. You know, it is the South and down here, we put our, all our people who are a little bit eccentric or a little touched as they called it on the porch with a glass of oh, sweet sure. food. Hand them a or like glass of lemonade, let them visit. Yeah. You know, it works for me. Yeah, anything South of Mex and Dixon line is free reign. Go for free it. Free range. I just put a big fence around it and call it an asylum. Um, Pretty much. <laughs> So coming from the south, down here, it's all good. <laughs> so, you know, and I come from a family that's, that's, that's got a lot of people that shall we say are eccentric in it, you know, and so it was mostly just how in I the mean, world do I think though about that people are like, well, you're weird. And I'm like, thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's number one. Number two, normal is boring. Why would you want to be normal? You want to be yourself. You were created to be an original person. You were created to be unique. You were not created to be boring. Yeah, I figured this package is pretty good. And it was one of the, that's talking about created. For those, for those in this, in your audience who, who are okay with mentions of religion and God and stuff, if you're a person who believes in the Holy Trinity, then technically you pretty, you pretty much understand multiple personality at a functional level. Mm -hmm. yep. And when I was diagnosed with that in 1990, it was like, and people are going, oh my God, what are you going to, are you going to integrate? I'm going, no, I'm not seeing how that's really working real well for society. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's just never worked real well for us. Well, what are you going to go for fusion? No, I remember being a grade school child and putting my head underneath my desk and put, kissing my knees goodbye because the bomb was going to drop at any moment. And that's what fusion is about. I said, I don't see either of those as viable models. I said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, you know, I'll look at the Trinity. If, if three's good enough for God, as long as I can, you know, be whatever I'm supposed to be and do a good job at it and not break the law and contribute and have friendships that last a long time. What's the problem here? Yeah. And I mean, this caused quite it, a stir. We are different to different people too. It's kind of like, People are like, well, yeah, sure we are. you're not the same in front of this person as you are them. And I said, well, that depends on them, first of all. <laughs> you know, if they're not nice to yeah. me, I'm not going to be nice back. But, you know, nah, kind of, you know, when you go to do like book shows and stuff, because I'm an author, you, whether you're having a good day or a bad day, you better have a good day that day because that's, you get one shot of me. You are at least not reading. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's a separate quote unquote personality you know that's that's who you are right right if, right right if right, I right, right. To a room of people that I do not know and I'm with my husband he knows I will cling on to him like you would not believe because I am not comfortable and if I'm not comfortable I'm not going to open up I mean that's different than my podcast no. it's weird because I'm yeah. talking to thousands of people right but if right. I don't know you I'm a people watcher because I did move around a lot 
And I learned to watch right. people at their core. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't right. care what your gender is. Right. I don't care what your religion is. I care about what's in your heart, but I have to watch you That's first. That's it. And see That's right. you are. You got you to see it. <laughs> and so, I mean, and I'm with you. We all kind of have a little bit of multiple personality. Well, we do. We do. And as long as it's functional, I mean, here's the thing. We all float amongst our different selves. We get up and we're a dotty daredevil driver on, driver on the way to work. And at lunch, we are a Luana lunch girl. And then we are a Wanda workout woman. We all shift among different roles of all sorts every single day. If you know the ones that you shift among, if there's a, an even and fluid flow of age appropriate information and y'all aren't fighting and killing, trying to kill each other, it's really probably you're doing okay. For me, I had learned to turn off physical sensation really, really early. And that was a wise choice because of my dislocating knees and hips. Mm -hmm. But I had knee surgery six times with nothing but Tylenol three. Oh, that ain't right. No. Yeah. That, I mean, as the, that ain't right. And so, you know, I, I moved to Nashville in uh, 1979 as a shoe repairer. I put rattlesnake toes on Alabama's boots. Oh, Fixed many pearls, little little blue, her little makeup case she used to carry no around. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been an interesting career. And that's the other thing is be, be, be an interesting person because it's going to serve you a lot better when you need to tell stories as you're an older person. Definitely. Um, but, you know, and, and, and by all means, be interesting. But the whole piece was is about as soon as, as post-traumatic stress disorder hit the books, I got diagnosed and it was a very appropriate diagnosis mm -hmm. because all the turmoil and stuff in my life as a, as, a, as a young child and leaving so early and all the medical crises, it was very much an appropriate diagnosis. But 13 people died at once in 1989, including my mother. And in 1990, I found out that I was a whole community of folks, which was a really interesting experience. And I figured, you know, I may have been victimized, but I don't have to be a victim. Mm -hmm. I figured if I was going to talk to myself, I ought to make it count. <laughs> and I figured I'd had all that help all those years. And why not, why not do something well with it? And there's a tremendous community of people that are plural, that, that function really nicely, are not, are not falling apart, homeless, helpless, and on disability. And there's some people who are homeless, helpless, and on disability. I just didn't want to go that route. Mm -hmm. I thought, and I come from a long line of educators. I wonder what I didn't learn that if I learned might help me make a difference in my life. And I now teach at Georgetown University Medical School, Medical Center in Psychiatry and as an adjunct instructor, teaching trauma-informed care. And I'm helping Japan craft a national model. And I'm a published author with a master's degree from Vanderbilt. I want to tell everybody out there, the journey is real, but if you decide what you want and just keep chiseling away at little bit by little bit, just keep going forward. Mm -hmm. My mother used to say, do not take a parking place in hell. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's a big thing. Good. Um, do you have any quick tips or tricks for those in traumatic situations to kind of help until they can get help that they need? Yeah, yeah, there are three things I'd say to you. The first is think about the inner connections you have that you can call on for self-soothing. You've got favorite recipes, and I bet when you think about them, you feel better. You've got favorite music, you've got uh, playlists, you've got favorite jewelry, you've got favorite clothing. Use the things that are meaningful to you to help you soothe yourself and feel better. The more you strengthen yourself, the less you are vulnerable to what happens to you in some ways. 
Mm -hmm. um, sec and the other thing I want to say too is install the good. It only takes 20 seconds to create a new neural circuit. And if you'll think about three good things that happened to you during the day, and I'm sure at least three good things happen during the day. I know other things do, but this time focus on the good mm -hmm. and call those things up and remember them and make them even stronger right before you go to sleep. And you, again, help build yourself so that you have less to slosh over. Good. Um, your website has a myriad of resources, including a book that you wrote. Um, would you please share how to find you online and what the sure. I get there? Sure. It's www.elizabethpower.com, and that's E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H-P-O-W-E-R.com, and that's the best way to find me. If you run into somebody who's a romance novelist whose name is Elizabeth Power, that's not me. That's one of the <laughs> other Elizabeth Powers, not in my tribe. <laughs> Now, you did write a book, though. What book? Did I you did write a book. It's called Healer Reducing Crises, and it's, uh, it's the first in a series of five or six of taking everything I know about trauma-informed care and have learned as I've taught it for 20 years at a level of much more common sense stuff for us put in, put in a series. Nice. Healer Reducing Crises is available on Amazon and Apple. It will soon be up on audio and my voice on Audible, um, and it's, it's an interesting little book. Very cool. Um, so what's in your future plans? Well, I got to finish like this. a real go getter, a real I've, I've got this down the road vision type person. I, I am. I, I, there's never going to be enough therapists or counselors for us. Mm -hmm. And so my thing is, is if it is learning, learning doesn't require a diagnosis. I want to make it possible for as many people who want to increase not only their skills for recovery from trauma, but also their emotional intelligence because it's the same skills. Mm -hmm. And so we are blending, we are now teaching emotional intelligence through a trauma-informed lens in talent development and staff development for people who work with people with diagnoses to try and increase the capacity in the mental health system by displacing some of the effort. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a diagnosis to learn. I want, I want a million people to take our work. We're at 176,820 so far. Well, and you may think when you're learning, you may see stuff that you didn't even know was there. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And besides which, you know, the therapy is hard, hard work. I got to say it's really hard work. And if you go in with a stronger you, a healthier you, the work you need to do is easier on you and it's easier on the person you're working with. And what could be better than that than to reduce the time and trauma and cost of healing? Exactly. That's what I want to do. So we have about three minutes left. Is there anything you'd like to add? Mm. Go out and play in the garden. If you've got any kind of earth near you, I want to tell all of you, first of all, earth has bacteria in it that acts like an SSRI. Get your feet in the dirt. It'll help you. Grow things. Think about the growth cycle of plants and your own cycle of life because it makes a big difference. And remember that you are not what has happened to you. It has changed you, but it is not you. You are also more than that. That's so important. Awesome. Um, and I can totally feel you. I'm a nature kid anyway, um, but we live on a five acre farm. And so we get to watch things grow and sprout and some of them from little seeds and it gets exciting. And when you compare it to your own life, you know, you got to make sure the weeds are out. Otherwise, it's going to choke, you know, what's trying to grow when it starts to produce fruit like our fruit trees or our strawberries or our blackberries, mm -hmm. you know, 
that delicious fruit is from something that you have grown mm -hmm. and that you can pass on and share with somebody else. And that's so right. The comparison of it is, I love the comparison of it, let's put it that way. Thank you. The Hawaiians taught me that they have a concept called malama aina, which means I tend the land and the land feeds me. And so it's a reciprocal cycle. And so I, uh, I, I have a hard time living in a city or going to a city because I'm, I, I'm one of those people that's either in flip-flops or boots. There really isn't a whole lot of in-between. Sometimes it's tennis shoes. It's usually flip-flops, boots, or bare feet. A lot of times I get myself in trouble because I'm in bare feet. And it's, so it's like, I got to feel the earth around me. And that's, you know, that's where I see God. I see him mm -hmm. through the clouds. I see him mm -hmm. taking care of the mm -hmm. birds and the different plants. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that if he's taking care of them, he'll take care of me too. Exactly right. I have a place that's every bit as important as the earthworm that the robin's just about to snatch to feed its baby with. Exactly. So that's, you know, that's, that I'm, that's so cool. I, I have a half an acre in Nashville. And it's just about as much as I want right now in my life. I think I think I want to finish this series of books and get them launched. And then what I want to do is I want to write trashy, not raunchy Southern novels. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna ask what that will look like, but okay, we'll okay. go with that thought. We, we got tease but don't tell. You know, you've you got go. to make civility, civility and modesty are important. And you can spin a great yarn without violating either one of them. There you go. Well, Elizabeth, you have been a true joy and a treat to talk with today. Thank you so much, CJ. Thank you for what you do. I look forward to talking to you and to your audience again. Well, thank you. And anyone who wants to get in touch or find Elizabeth, you can find her on www.elizabethpower.com. That's www.elizabethpower.com. Elizabeth, again, thank you for coming on today. And thank you guys for listening to The Journey is Real. We talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their hearts. I'm CJ Peterson of cjpetersonwrites.com. Until next time.